Oh, I meant to go live. And we are live. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Banff podcast. Um, we're talking about more OGL rumors. And boy, has a lot happened in the last few days. It's so, I was just saying off the air, it's a bit exhausting with the speed of the developments and um, some of the starkness of the developments. But before I go any further, let's play our cheerful um, intro music. <laughs> I love that Andrew Collins was doing the air guitar for that. That's that's beautiful. Hold your time. I don't want to out him, but you can tell just from the image that Bear is actually Dr. Dungeon. The similarity is uncanny. Dr. Dungeon? What is Dr. this? Dun- Dr. Dungeon is the alter ego uh-huh. that belongs to one of the four of the people that are currently on the local grid. I'll let you guess who. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume it's this guy down here because it's sure ain't me. I, the art was just on the, the cover, and it looks just like you. Thanks. Handy visual reference. <clears throat> my cat. My cats love you. <laughs> hey, Aaron Dragon. Um, we play the Banff music sometimes for Owen Explains It All, which is uh, this. <laughs> Subspecies of Banff, we uh, we have that special rock and roll music for uh, Owen because he rocks us with his calm and uh, reasonable opinions. <laughs> so, Sean Vera, evening, gentlemen. I've been waiting for your comments on this mess. It, it is a mess. It's um, it's kind it's, of a lot. Uh, but I will. It sucks and it's stupid. So, <laughs> I, I I can go into more detail, but it all boils down to some subcategory of it sucks and it's stupid mm-hmm. i feel you let me do quick introductions because i'm a host and i feel compelled to directly below me is the bearded artist known as jacob blackman hey jacob good to see you hello everyone and in the corner the guest of honor is uh <laughs> yes he's that way it's owen casey stevens and uh co-host from the old days who is back is uh bear AKA Andrew Collis. He is our designated uh, Canadian representative. Mm, I'm also the secret square for today. So that's also the secret square. And you can find Bear on YouTube. He youtube.com slash at Bear the Forever DM. He is a YouTube personality now. He's got a a growing and burgeoning channel. So uh, check him out for uh, hot takes. Come on over, uh, say hi sometimes if you ever want. So, um, um, since the last time we talked about this, there has been a, uh, well, Owen, why don't you catch the folks at home up on what's happened? I, so in case people are just now catching up, um, the OGL 1.0A is the document that allows people to work off of the 3.5 SRD and for that matter, the 5.1 SRD uh, and the the D20 Modern SRD, and a bunch of games are built off that. It's in Masterminds, two versions of Pathfinder, Starfinder, 13th Age. Uh, and there was a rumor going around, increasingly loudly, last week, that they were planning on not just making a new SRD or making a changed SRD, but accepting that you could always go and use OGL 1.0a, but they were going to try to deauthorize the current SRD and claim you couldn't use it for anything. And then uh, this past week, that leak, which Linda Kodega uh, over at io9, uh, they did a great article about it. Uh, Linda got the, the full draft, and shortly after that, I got the full draft. And then a whole bunch of the other people got a full draft. Yeah, if I can break in for just one second, we're going to have Linda on this very show uh, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Talk about so yeah. yeah, but I'll be at the gym. I wish I could be here for that one. We'll just dial in from the stairmaster, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, a lot of us have seen the full version of that draft. Now, to be clear, uh, this is a leak; it's not an official release. Um, while numerous people, myself included, have received it from what we consider to be trusted sources, uh, and Linda, being a, a journalist, went to their sources and confirmation and and the normal procedure they use to ensure that they are releasing news and not, uh, you know, hoaxes. And 
Elements of it were confirmed by the director of games at Kickstarter saying he had seen it. So this is not just some people screaming into the void, but we don't know if it is the most current version. We don't know if it is a version that was going to be released into the wild uh, in two days. There was a date of the 13th on it. And we don't know if Wizards of the Coast may have, after all of this kerfuffle, uh, decided to change it in ways large or small. But as written, it claims that you can no longer use OGL 1.0A for anything once they release this, that if you do publish things for income, you must use either their commercial or uh, non-commercial license or their fan policy content. And that they can change it at any time, and the only notice that they need to give anyone is to post it on their website. So let me ask you, let's say I'm an RPG publisher with a, a wealth of material I published for Mutants and Masterminds, they're dead. Does this mean I can no longer sell those? We don't know. Okay. That, that's one of the huge problems. We, we don't know. Um, the language that they use is not precise. It does not cover every possible case. Uh, I have seen lawyers who have had the full thing, including contract and IP lawyers, disagree about what it probably means. Um, and it shouldn't mean any of those things. Uh, what, someone says, it, does it not say we can't use the OGL 1.0? Um, almost nothing is released under an OGL 1.0. And since they say they can change it at any time, if that turned out to be a loophole, this is the biggest thing. Their new policy, their new position as of this leak is that they can prevent you from using any old license and change how they prevent you from doing it in any way at any time for any reason with the only notice they have to do is to put it up on their website. Yeah. So um... Uh, they, they also claim that they have the right to use any content you release uh, in any form that you are giving them a royalty-free, perpetual, irrevocable, worldwide license that even includes the ability to sub-license. Um, and it's it's bad. It is It includes claims about what the OGL was always supposed to do that are, are contradicted by their own uh, fact from 2004. And uh, you can find that on the Wayback Machine. Ryan Dancy wrote something he called the World's Most Dangerous Article that was posted up on Watsi, and they took it down a long time ago. But you can find uh, the World's Most Dangerous Article by Ryan Dancy on the Wayback Machine. <clears throat> so it is provable that they had a different position when they released this, and that people relied on their promise that this would not be a thing that would ever go away, and that this was the safe harbor. Uh, so part of what they've done is damage the ability of a huge range of creators, publishers, independent publishers to rely on if we follow these rules that they established more than 20 years ago, Wizards of the Coast won't try to come after us. Because if we're willing to risk that, we don't need the OGL at all. You can't copyright rules, just specific expression of rules. So if you're willing to risk Wizards of the Coast saying, hey, your game has strength, dex, con, in wisdom, and charisma, and that right there is enough for it to be too similar to our expression of the rules. If that's a risk you're willing to take, you don't need the OGL. Rollades were publishing D&D-compatible stuff that specifically said it was D&D-compatible uh, in the 90s prior to the OGL existing. And Wizards of the Coast's reaction after uh, trying to get them to take it down and bullying them about it was to simply buy out Rollades so it wouldn't be an issue anymore. So they they know or knew, I don't know if the institutional knowledge is retained, but there's certainly people in the building that know that the risk of not giving us the safe harbor is facing even more directly competing material. But the bigger risk is that the, the big benefit is the OGL is that it creates a whole network of games that lowers the barrier of entry for players and GMs. That if I have learned the concepts in... D&D uh, 3.5 or, or 5.0 or Pathfinder, those all translate very easily to other games. And people can make supplements that are, are compatible to that so that you can do things like, hey, I want to do a book on uh, 
elven shoe styles with rules on how different kinds of shoes might give me benefits. That's a very niche product. But if you can sell it to a huge market, it becomes something that the people that want it can get because a producer can make a reasonable return on it. If we go back to the days of there being 42 vaguely similar games that you can't write for all in one document, then that kind of product just doesn't become practical. So what do we think they're thinking at Hasbro? Do they want to just um, nuke all the competition and own the whole pie for themselves or? Yes. <laughs> totally. Come on, man. This is, this is 100% a scorched earth move. Only, only a fool would sign this agreement as it's presented. Only a fool. Based on the power it's giving Watsi and Hasbro over your IP, over the stuff you create. Plus, I mean, the best example I've heard so far is that I can't remember who it was. It might have been Ten Car, who said it. Uh, you know, you've just done your print run on all your books that are coming out next month. They've, they've come in from China. You've just spent fifty thousand dollars, and then Watsi says no, and now you got to go ahead and pulp that entire run and be out that money. Yeah, Only an idiot would sign this. This is why, for me, what I'm waiting for is for I want to hear what Critical Role has to say. They are going to be the tipping balance on this based solely on the size of their fandom and the fact that Amazon is standing right over their shoulder. And Hasbro and Watsy might want to push Frog God games around. Hell, they might even go so far as to push Paizo around, but they are not even in the weight class of Amazon. They're not even three weight classes close to Amazon. You know what I'm saying? So that's the one I'm waiting for. I mean, they, they will avoid any problem with Amazon if they want to by releasing a note that says, hey, we accept that we have no claim over any material that is in that animated series. Stop. But and, think and, about this. Hang on, Owen. Hang on. Think about this. What is the political leaning of most critters? Uh, the political leaning of most critters is pro-critters. It's pro-critters, really? but they tend to be a very left-leaning socialist sort of grouping in they, general. I trust me, I've been on the eating end of them because I made a mistake of criticizing the trailer before the cartoon came out and they tore me apart. They went after me like dogs. And I worked it's, at Green Ronin when we released the Taldorai yeah. source book. Um, yeah. But what they will do is support whatever Critical Role says. I don't think so. Now, here's the thing I worked in film and television for a lot of years, and actors are very particular about two things money and publicity. And when you have enough money, or what we, use, what we call in the industry, fuck you money, where you're buying an island to live, you don't give a shit about what publicity says anymore. That's when you're getting up to the guys like Nicolas Cage and stuff like that. They have so much money, they never have to work again as an actor. They don't have to do anything because they're set for life. But when you're still in that point where money matters to you, you've got to start doing this juggling game between perception and money, perception and money. You can't just do whatever you want. And I honestly think Matt Mercer is a smart enough guy to know that if he, seeing the way the wind is blowing right now in the entire community against Hasbro, announces they've made a deal, that could bite him in the ass real hard. Well, first of all, it's not exclusively Matt Mercer's call, right? There's there's there. there's there's ownership and deals in place there, right? He he does not own all of that. He is the most famous face. Technically, are, it's Travis Willingham's call. He is the CEO of Critical Role. There you go. Um, but uh, I I I am convinced that what Critical Role, I mean. There have been unpopular things that Critical Role has just remained silent about before. All that has to happen is for them to say, this does not affect us. We get to mm. keep bringing you our product. Not talk about why it doesn't affect them and move forward. They're not going to lose enough people for it to be a problem. I don't know that that's going to be the direction they go. But people who want to believe that we can weaponize Amazon or Critical Role mm. or Disney uh, against... Uh, Wizards of the Coast are are wrong. Well, okay, I'm not talking about weaponizing anyone against anything. I'm talking about just popularity and public perception. And I'm telling you from my experiences and from the people I know and the people that I've dealt with, anyone at that level, Willingham, Mercer, all of them, they're still in a world where public perception matters. They're still in a world where they don't get to say, I can do whatever I want. They're paying attention to what's going on. Matt's already been liking. He liked a tweet that was very anti watsis move. So he's clearly signaling to his fans where his politics are going on this, where his preference is going on this. What'll matter 
is what Critical Role as an organization says. And that's what I'm waiting for. That's the shoe I want to see drop because that's going to change the tide so fast. You know, the, the, the Disney thing was interesting. If you don't let me break in for a second, um, just a bit some background yeah, to our sure, listeners man. and viewers. Um, Knights of the Old Republic had an o OGL uh, license. It did not. It. it did no, not. It didn't. No. Is that a myth? Was I misinformed by the internet? That, that yeah. is a myth. So it has material that looks like it is from D20 Modern because that material is actually from the D20 Star Wars games. The yeah. D20 Star Wars games, all of which I wrote for and one of which I co-wrote the, the core rulebook for, were never released under the OGL. Those were always okay. a license just between Lucasfilm and Wizards of the Coast. And as part of that license, Lucasfilm retained the right to use those game mechanics. Okay. So they were entirely independent of the OGL, uh, they don't need it. They are not operating under it, and this does not impact what rules they can touch at all. But okay. plus, the other big thing people are forgetting, and this is where we have to be aware of the armchair lawyers, especially the when it comes to IP and content. Disney licensed or Lucasfilm licensed that to the game maker, whatever the case may be. In these situations, it's a license of a license of a license. Let's use the Middle Earth role playing uh, Adventures in Middle Earth. The company that produced, uh, whose name I forget right now, One Ring, that guy, well, someone else bought them, that's a whole other company now, but they had a license with the Tolkien Estate that they then had a license with Watsi and blah, 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 blah. So Tolkien Estate will never get involved in this. And in fact, all they'll do is look at the guys and go, you got us into this mess, we'll never license you to you again, we're pulling the license, bye-bye. Yeah, the, the, the only places where these are relevant is, first of all, if the license appears to claim that it would give Wizards of the Coast the rights, for example, to Doctor Who, because yeah. there's a 5e Doctor Who game, then yeah. you can take that to court and say, this is clearly not legally stable because it makes this unsupportable claim. And secondly, it will become much harder for any publisher to get a license for something that they want to release under the OGL, because yeah. the rights holders will say, wait a minute, we've seen that that is not as safe and stable as you thought. So it's not that Doctor Who or Black Company uh, or... DC Comics or uh, Thieves World. None of that oh, stuff. Is, yeah, none of that stuff is going to end up in Watsi's hands. But that doesn't mean that the language seeming to claim they could do that won't have real consequences within the the industry. Those consequences just won't be a fight between Wizards of the Coast and those companies. Wizards would never try and grab that stuff. They know they would lose. Those companies will never tackle Watsi unless they took that step. It's just the publishers in the middle who are going to get squeezed. And uh, potentially, it is an argument you could make. It's like the people that say, well, Ryan Dancy was the architect of the OGL, and he says they can't do that, so it's over. No, it's not over. That's a statement you can take to court. That's a statement about intent. It's important. Uh, he was on Roll for Combat today making yep. comments on the record. Uh, I, I helped set up him doing that because I thought that was important. He's made comments before that. There's the stuff on the Wayback Machine about the fact and, and his most dangerous article. Those are all things that can come up in court to talk about was people's reliance on this being irrevocable to their current de detriment relevant. If you are judging this contract and you are weighing ambiguities against the writer of the contract, which is how that tends to go under U.S. law anyway, uh, why were there ambiguities? And if you say, well, they said that it meant this, that is certainly indication of an ambiguity if they claim, no, it never meant that. So these are important notes, but they're they're not going to end up with Wizards of the Coast being able to to have Conan the Barbarian be the Doctor's companion. As and Jacob, how are you, by the way? Jacob, how are you, by the way, now that we've talked over you endlessly and you've sat there smiling? No worries. Uh, I I have I have my worries in this regard. Ninety percent of my business comes from third party industry, yeah. and uh, I have a large uh, property of my own, the Superpowered Legends, that is published under the OGL. So the the series this the, the turn of events very much worries me, but ultimately. We ultimately we're not going to know until until Wizards of the Coast decides to implement this, which it looks like they're going to, as as things currently stand, and someone takes them to court. Which honestly, in the in the thing in the grand scheme of things, I can't see happening for 
at least 13 months. But in yeah. that 13 month period, a lot of companies could potentially go under. Mm -hmm. A lot of good companies too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this already has a chilling effect. I've, I've got deals that were in progress where the other party and I mutually agreed, this is not the time to try and finish this deal. We, we should not sign anything. We should not finish language. We certainly shouldn't be exchanging money. We just don't know what's happening enough. Yeah, I, was, I had Ray Nolan on my show uh, last week, and he's Mini Six, and Mini Six was the revolution. It was the the only D Six clone that's ever done any bit of business, really. And he wants to release Second Edition, but because he the original Mini Six is under OGL from Open D Six, he's like, until this is resolved, I ain't doing nothing. You know, you're right. It's it's really freezing the entire industry right now. And and that is one of the most insane side effects. Open D6 has nothing to do with D&D &D or Wizards of the Coast or their rule set. I've seen people say, hey, if you want to use their rules, just get a separate license. Well, he doesn't even want to use their rules. It's just that at the time that the company that owned Open D6 wanted to make it open, the open gaming license was the most well understood, at least we thought, well respected, uh, vetted license available. So they used it. There's nothing in the OGL that requires you to only release D&D compatible content and stuff derived from D&D compatible content. But, I mean, I just recently uh, put a publisher with a writer because they the publisher asked me if I could find them a writer to work on a big D6 project. It's suspended. Of course it's suspended. No, right now, we don't know if it will be possible to publish a new OGL product, even if it has nothing to do with Wizards of the Coast rules until we see the, the final version of this. And even after we see the final version of this, there is right now already a level of trust that has been broken. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike has put up Everyday Heroes core rulebook picture a couple times now. So it's just... Yeah, sorry. I just yes, want to ask you. Sorry, Mike. No, no, it's, it's all good. Um, so I, I was wanting to ask you, because I know, Owen, I know you, you work for Evil Genius. Well, there's so many of you genius companies out there. There's Rogue Genius, there's Evil Genius, there's a few other geniuses. But anyway, uh, this is Evil Genius Games, and you're working for them on this uh, line. Uh, what's your guys, and I know, Jacob, you've done some maps for them. Um, what's what's Evil Genius's permission or position on this so, situation? First to clarify, I am not on staff at Evil Genius anymore. Uh, I was the editor-in-chief through the last half or so of last year. Uh, I, I helped bring this book uh, from the draft and edited stage to the off to the printer stage, which is where it is now. It's literally printing. So I cannot speak for the company. Okay. Uh, I am still consulting with them. And wow, has this been one of the topics we're consulting about. Uh, I don't know that they've made a public statement. Um, they have. That, okay. I... I, I would, yeah, I believe, I suspect their public statement is everyone's still going to get their stuff and we'll figure it out later. But Jacob, if you know what exactly what they said. Uh, I have it on Facebook right here. Uh, Evil Genius Games, as of four hours ago, posted this. Many people have asked about our stance on the OGL 1.1 leak. So here you go. I believe our industry needs a new open RPG license that will be system and publisher independent. My friends at Azora Law an intellectual property firm that represents several game publishers came up with a legal framework for the original OGL over 20 years ago. I trust and support them in shepherding a brand effort to create an agnostic open source style license that provides designers and publishers clarity on what they can use from a participating publisher's game without having to pay lawyers to research or defend it. They will also find an appropriate, independent, non-profit home for the new open RPG license. Yeah, and, and that that is another thing that's been going around. Uh, yeah. and, and I do think exactly because the trust is broken now, mm -hmm. that if someone wanted to release something into the wild now, as we were discussing Open D6 did, uh, the OGL would not be the smart choice, and having a new open license you can do it with, I think, is a smart choice. Um, there are also a bunch of people that are working on their own basic, similar D20 uh, fantasy RPG engines that they plan to release as open. Um, I have not studied any of them in depth. The, the trick will be, if any of them get the kind of market share that 
makes it possible to release the sort of niche product I was talking about earlier. But regardless, if you have an open project and an open license that are disconnected from Wizards of the Coast that appear to be genuinely ironclad, uh, I personally would actually still recommend if you're going to put money on something, get a lawyer. Uh, I've had a lawyer look at the OGL, and that was 20 years ago. And at the time, they were telling me very specifically that what is now happening can't happen. Um, lawyers aren't always right. And even if they are right, bad actors, and I feel that Wizards of the Coast is being a bad actor in this case, can try to get away with shit because they've got the money and the resources exactly. uh, and the lawyers uh, and the fan base to try it without suffering too badly. This is the uh, thing, right? It's it's everything. They, they can put whatever they want. If you read your Apple, you know, Samsung, whatever agreement, there's stuff in there that is patently not allowed. But they put it in knowing until someone takes them to court, they can get away with it, right? It's the fuck around and find out clause. And it's just, it's disgusting because it literally, like you said, it breaks the trust. It destroys the trust that is built up. And for 20 years, I'm sorry, I will say this categorically and anyone wants to disagree with me, go ahead and disagree. I don't give a shit. 20 years of growth of D&D has been because of the OGL. Plain and simple. That entire thing has allowed an industry and a community and a, just an entire thing to grow. And now that they're sitting on top of the shit pile, they think they can just do whatever they want. And man, that's just dirty pool where I'm from. So what's Cobalt Press doing? Do you guys know? Yeah, Black Flag. Yeah, they're, they're going to make their own RPG. Uh, and that makes good sense for them. There are a lot of fans of Kobold and Midgard specifically, and those are fans of that world and the way Kobold does things. And those fans already followed them, for example, from Pathfinder to 5e. Uh, and I believe if you have a a reasonably similar in playstyle game, uh, they will follow them to that. I mean, they've got a ton of content they can put out. Mm -hmm. And why would a publisher with a dedicated fan base that likes their world? and their way of doing things, trust any other company to be able to pull the rug out from under them on whether or not they can publish new products. Troll lords are doing the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, Owen, can I ask you what you think Paizo will do, or is that off limits for the conversation? You can absolutely ask me. Um, so, what I am certain of is that Paizo will not go quietly into that good night. I do not have insider information on what they will do. Uh, I have a lot of tea reading. I do have access to, for example, friends-only posts that I do not wish to, to violate the trust of having been one of the friends of the friend-only posts. They haven't said for sure what they're going to do. But, for example, uh, earlier today, when I was in a pretty bad place physically, emotionally, and energy-wise, I stated that I was considering hanging up my spurs and leaving the industry. And while that's not a done deal, I am absolutely considering it. And one of the things that happened is Aaron Shanks, who works at Paizo and, and does their marketing, said, hey, if you need a break, take a break. But don't think that this means you won't be able to be in the industry anymore. So Paizo is not going to go quietly into that good night. They are not going to fold things up. There are at least two things that they obvious things they can do uh and they might well do both of them firstly every single word of rules in pathfinder second edition was rewritten from scratch nothing was copy and pasted from an ogl the only reason it's under an ogl the only two reasons it was released under an ogl was first of all there are certain monster and spell names and in some cases concepts that they wanted because their fan base liked them. Uh, Odiugs are not something that exists outside of people deriving them from Wizards and the SRD. You can certainly make a common-speaking, roughly spherical, tentled trash monster, but if you are deriving that from specifically an Odiug, and you are an OGL publisher, you've done it in the past, it's... The, the, the clean thing to do previously was to say, this is derived from the Odiug, we've written everything about it, but since it's derivative, we are making OGL content and, and putting up a license. The second reason was, Paizo supports OGL backers, right? Unlike Wizards of the Coast, which got rid of the D20 uh, system trademark license, 
there are Starfinder and Pathfinder compatibility licenses so that if you follow certain rules, you can say, this is Pathfinder compatible, not compatible with the world's most popular path-based role-play game, right? Because people say, you know, compatible with the world's greatest or oldest or most popular RPG where they're trying to, to connect to Wizards of Coast all the time. And uh, Wizards has now tried to claim a trademark on the phrase, the world's greatest role-playing game, which is obviously, I mean, at the time, people just sort of quirked their heads and didn't worry about it. And now it is obviously a salvo in the same effort to prevent anyone from being able to make a pie with any of their recipe without them being able to get their fingers into it. So that is one thing they could do was re-release a version of Pathfinder 2nd Edition that wasn't OGL. That their, their dragons stopped being color-coded uh, by alignment and element. Uh, you no longer have the, the chromatic versus metallic division. Uh, you get rid of owlbears as owlbears. You, you get rid of cloakers. Uh, you get rid of odiugs. You probably get rid of chitons, but you can keep all the rest of the Velstrak. They've already taken a lot of steps to do this. They've already removed a lot of the terminology. And Paizo is very experienced at this. Their novels have no OGL content in them. Their novels, which are set in the world of Galarian, don't ever say magic missile. They say bolts of arcane force when someone casts a spell. Uh, they don't call someone a tiefling. They call them hellspawn. So they've they've got, or, or chaos spawn, a missile spawn. They have all those options. So that is one thing they can definitely do. Um, another thing they can do is form a coalition of other publishers behind them and fight like hell in court. They can also do both these things at the same time. I think one or both are highly likely. Uh, I think there are things currently happening that a few weeks from now when we look back, we would say, ah, that was a step in this grand consolidated plan. Um, but... Since they have not announced such a plan, even if I'm right, I don't want to speculate about those elements because I don't want to tip their hand until they're ready to have it tipped. I, I have a question. Owen, you might be in a really good place to answer this. So for my publishing efforts for my company, Zenith Entertainment, Zeg, uh, we were basically, we had a, a phase rip clone that's backburnered because we don't know where the legality is going to be anymore with that. Uh, and our fantasy game is basically was going to have a lot of OGL elements in it and SRD stuff. That's all been ripped out. And I went looking for licenses to say, well, who's got a fantasy game that's got a nice license that I could get in bed with? And it struck me as odd that Green Ronin isn't taking this opportunity with Fantasy Age and the Age to go, hey, everybody looking for something to publish under, we've got this amazing thing you can come be a part of. I looked at their terms on the, on the drive through RPG and I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not getting involved with that mess. So the the you're talking about the Age Community Alliance, or yeah, yeah Age Creators Alliance. Of my profits, that's brutal. Well, I mean, drive through already takes thirty five percent. Thirty, I pay thirty. Okay, um, I think I have an old deal or something. I don't know. Right. So they're only for for most people, they're only taking a fifteen percent license for mm -hmm. access to their rules for a number of different rule systems. Mm -hmm. Um. While they have always been very supportive of open products for their open games. So when we were doing Freeport products, uh, we were working with people on being able to to build yeah. open things off Freeport. Mutants and Masterminds is under the OGL. Uh, they've yeah. always been very supportive of that. And, you know, Jacob and I have a ton of, of uh, Powered by Eminem. Yeah, Powered by Eminem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they've, they've I think got... I had some stuff up at one point, too, yeah. Uh, age... First of all, they're at the verge of finally releasing their second edition. Uh, you don't necessarily, and, 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 you know, I was the developer on this for like two years and it didn't come out under me. And now I am no longer working for them. And the very great uh, uh, Ian has taken over, which I think is tremendous, Ian Lemke. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're actually going to get it out and it's going to be great. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I touched it, but I'm not prepared to say I helped. I, I was spread too thin trying to write for five game systems and then six game systems all at the same time. That, that was more than I could handle. Lesson learned. Um, you don't necessarily want, as a smaller publisher, to go open just as you launch a new edition. Yeah. Back when the OGL was everywhere, there was no need for other folks. Is it possible they will decide to do an actual open license now? Yes, but Green Ronin is not Paizo-sized, right? Green Ronin is, is three owners who also do most of the 
uh, yeah. administrative and planning and, and licensing and, and phone call work uh, and maybe half a dozen part-time contract folks and then freelancers. Yeah. When you open up the core of your rulebook, um, a lot of supplements may get grabbed by people who are as big as you at, at that size, who are as big as you, fast as you, good as you, and that's income you then won't make. Sure. So right now, what they're trying to do is if people are just dying to release something on a fan or commercial level, you can do it and make some money through the ACA. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I guarantee that there are internal conversations going on, though I've not been part of them because uh, I don't work there anymore. Uh, although yeah. they're, they're great people. They're friends of mine. I still talk to them, just not, you know, insider <laughs> business stuff. Uh, I am sure they are discussing it. I don't know that they think that, especially right now, with 8 million other people leaping into saying, hey, we're making an open game. We're making an open game. I don't know that it is just in great interest for them to open up their game. I don't know that it will benefit them a lot, and it will be a lot of work. Fair. On That's top fair. of that, uh, there are bad actors that are constantly trying to get a crack at Blue Rose, which is under the age system. They don't want to yeah. encourage those uh Hey, what's the language rule here, Mike? On Bam? I, I have an explicit tag on iTunes, so you can say whatever you want, sir. Okay. They don't want to encourage those festering fuckholes to take another run at Blue Rose. Uh, uh, they, hi, people. You've arrived. <laughs> they have the Expanse license. They don't want to make it complicated because yeah. one of the biggest age fan bases are Expanse fans, and they don't want those people to mistakenly think they can do Expanse material. Sure. Um, and uh, they are working on uh, their Cthulhu game, and a lot of people think a lot of stuff is public domain for Cthulhu that isn't. There's a yeah. lot of stuff that is, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that isn't. And Green Ronin has done the due diligence to research and understand what is and isn't, but fans might not. So there are a lot of potential landmines opening up something with so many licensed and, and complicated works to a larger audience. Because when you lower the barrier of entry, you also raise the, the risk of someone stepping on a landmine. Yeah. No, absolutely. Hey, got a question from Sean in the comments. Um, yeah. Sean says, hey, Mike, question for the panel. Does anyone know why, especially for Chaosium, why other, except for Chaosium, why other publishers who did not use Swatsy material Use the Wizards OGL. Should they not have made their own? A lawyer I know thought it was a bad idea for publishers to use it instead of writing their own. So I think it was convenience was the issue, right? It was this instant thing that was very readily available. You didn't have to pay lawyers to go draw it up for you, which is a huge expense. I'm sure we can all relate to that on some level or another. So I might my thought, and I'm not this is just opinion, it was convenient. I mean, like I said, I, I paid a lawyer to look at the OGL and tell me what I could and couldn't safely do. So I did not just, but that is much cheaper than paying a lawyer to write me a uh, perpetual worldwide royalty-free license that will stand up in court. Yeah. There were a lot of legal commentary people. Have, if, if you go online, there are academics who have looked at the OGL over the past 23 years and talked about what it's done and what it means and how it works and is it connected to the copyleft movement. It was, of the stuff already out there, the most well vetted by third party scholars and lawyers license available. And it appeared to work, right? If you look at Paizo and you say, hey, Paizo has become probably the, the second best known RPG publisher in the English speaking language. If we're talking just about RPG tabletop division to RPG tabletop division. Uh, and maybe Savage Worlds is better known, uh, and honestly, maybe Rifts is better known, but they're certainly way up there now, based on making an OGL game that was in direct competition with Wizards of the Coast. So if Wizards didn't try this BS then, the thinking went, they know they can't get away with it, so obviously they can't. So it seemed to be field-tested. If you had asked me in... September of last year, would Wizards of the Coast ever try this? I'd have confidently said, no. No, they can't. It is too well established that they can't. Um, that turns out not to have been accurate. 
because I didn't, I, I do feel this is a bad actor move, and I didn't think Wizards of the Coast would make a bad actor move as a result of the fallout for them as a company and their reputation. And I was wrong. Um, Robert Cathy, I do support the purchase of Savage Worlds. It's an excellent role playing game. I'm a big fan. I, I My best-selling book is a Savage Worlds uh, setting. Shane's a great guy, too. Yeah, Shane's a good guy. Twice as tall as normal man. Shocker red hair and a sinister gleam in his eye. He's, he's a heck of a guy. Um, <laughs> I'll wrestle him. I'll fight him. Bring him on. <laughs> he I'll tell that next time I have him on for the uh, Four Color Cafe. I'll be like, Shane, we have to fight. Mike Lafferty says so. <laughs> and uh, whoever... We can, we can put you in kits, give you mackerels, and, and put you in the jello pit of honor. Well, I don't fight in jello, son. <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. Hey, um, With a lovely, lovely fruity taste in his mouth. Lovely jello. Oh, wait, sorry. Flavored gelatin, because we don't want to be violating any copyrights tonight. Yeah, but if we actually <laughs> use jello, then it's fair use to say it's jello. Hence why I'm wearing my McDowell shirt for tonight. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'm hearing rumors, and I, I don't want, you don't have to confirm or deny them, but. I'm hearing rumors. I'm not saying from you know that there are, is a coalition of people at Wizards who are trying to stop the stupid. And I just wanted to call out. You know, it's I've heard the people on the inside who are trying to do the right thing, but I I worked in corporate America way too much to uh, have much faith in stupid not winning. I I can without without having spoken to anyone at Wizards about it. I am 100% certain that there are people in Wizards trying to stop it. Um, I observe that there are some veteran people who left Wizards just about at the right timing to be leaving just as the decision to do this was ramping up, and that there are brand new people last year this year who have no background in the RPG business who are now in charge. Um, those those factors, I'm positive, aren't coincidental. Yeah. By the way, uh, Mike, just to put it in perspective for you, the Canadian corporate world's no smarter. <laughs> I mean, a, a corporation is an artificial intelligence, right? A corporation can make a decision that no one in the corporation thinks is the best decision. Hmm. But that because of the set of rules that that artificial intelligence operates under, it's the only one they can all agree to. A, a corporation is a analog computer program, and the computers it runs on are committees of people. So a, a corporation is, is neither sapient nor sentient, but it can make decisions and hold opinions as far as its rules, the structure under which it runs, or the program lets it. That corporations are the aliens among us, and you you must realize that when you're dealing with a corporation, it can look like it's a person, it can sound like a person, a person can stand up for it, but what that actual corporation is is a series of legally recognized rules and resources that has the right to sign contracts, and that is an alien entity more surely than anything else that we have ever actually encountered in the world. That does not necessarily make it evil, but it is most likely amoral. It's a little sociopathic, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and it, it to a certain extent it makes sense, right? The whole point of a corporation is that it can own property and, and it can sign contracts, and that allows it to exist beyond the life of, of one person. I don't have a yeah. problem with any of that. But never think that a, that a corporation is your family. Oh, God. It just, it just isn't. It, it, I, I, recently, I was recently mentioning that, that uh, Bruce Cordell was talking about the, the open options uh, and deals for uh, Money Cook Games' core engine and saying, look, I trust them more than I would ever trust any corporation because that's a series of specific people, right? That's Monty and, and Shauna and, and Sean K. Reynolds and, and Bruce Cordell. Those are people who aren't publicly traded and, and aren't following some some set of rules where the president can be ousted. Those are people that own a thing and they're telling you what they're going to do with the thing. And I can judge, by, I happen to know all of them, but I, I can judge that based on looking at what makes sense for them as people and what they're going to decide. With a corporation, you can't do that because a corporation system can cause it to make decisions that don't make sense for it. Yep. 
Well, hey, um, back when we started doing Owen Explains It All, which I think takes us back to COVID, possibly before, I promised Owen that these would be short, fast, and fun. And here we are, 44 minutes past the uh, start point. This is not something we can discuss in a short matter. Or, or in a fun way, to be honest, unless we start doing, you know, song, dance, and puppets. And yeah, I'm down for that, but, you know. OGL 1.1 sucks. OGL 1.1 sucks. Just Watsy trying to make bucks because OGL 1.1 sucks. I've got a Watsy hand puppet over here. Hey, we got a question from a publisher in the comments. Um, Louis Booter Jr. Lewis. Hey, Louis. Who do you think the majority of our publishers will rally to to make their OGL content? I think Cobalt's going to be a top 10 TTRPG company because of this. Oh, for sure. So, too soon to tell. Yeah. Cobalt um, is well positioned. Paizo remains well positioned. If they decided to move into. Robert Cathy demands puppets. LJ got a puppet handy. Um, <laughs> if they decided to throw their hat in the ring, uh, Green Ronin would be well positioned. Uh, they really would, man. There, there are a lot of people that. Okay, there's, there's a Will Wheaton. <laughs> Sucks. Uh, we had a Will Wheaton puppet. Um, they would be really. I, I have whiskey. Would that would would that count as a puppet? Why you don't have all these Canadian stereotypes, Bear? Why? And by the way, it's the only single malt made in Canada, and it can't call itself a Scotch because it's not from Scotland. Say la vie. So it's a canned. Um, look, if you drink enough Scotch, we'll call anything a puppet. That's anyway. Um. Oh, Walt, I love you. Thank you. Sorry, Walt just gave me some props. Walt, my boy. Uh, there's just no no saying for sure yet. It's going to depend on how they implement, how fast they get out. Uh, first person to market with a game and a license and uh, a few excited fans is going to have a big advantage. Well, look, who we got, who we got throwing their hats in the ring? We've got Cobalt Press, MCDM. Um, who else? Uh, poten- potentially uh, Critical Role. If Critical Role decided to make their own RPG, sure, it'd be huge. That be that, huge. that that would be huge. that would that would have an immediate following. Uh, but right now we got MC, M- M- MCDM, Cobalt Press, Troll Lords have said theirs is uh, open. Uh, uh, Monty said his is open. Aaron Drader is putting together an open, uh, independent D and D style game. Uh, there are some people putting together a game. Oh. The thing is, they haven't come up with a name for it yet. Uh, it's like literally calling it game with an interesting name. Uh, you know, our, our friend Walter Billiard has a system called the Super 6 system. He uses for supers. And ooh. I was telling him just the other day that he should throw his hat in the ring. But he's very busy writing novels now. So Yeah, he's a busy man with the novels. I miss Walt. Yeah. Walt, I miss you. Who would think that fiction is a more reliable uh, enterprise these days in role-playing games? But there you go. Yeah, for people that are interested, uh, Darren Drader's project is currently the open RPG development. Okay. Uh, and Darren, Darren, like I, dates back to the early days of, of 3.0 and the OGL, and he's got decades of experience. Uh, and then the other one is Cool Name Goes Here Role-Playing Game, uh, mm-hmm. which is Mark Tassin. And they are looking at getting together some professionals. Uh, I've consulted with them, uh, probably running a, a Kickstarter um, so those at least are all professional efforts with some resources behind them and some designers I know. Uh, but as I said, for, you know, I, I think probably every 15 minutes, someone pings me and says, you know, Owen, when are you going to throw your hat in with one of these D20 groups? Um, and I am currently way too busy fighting cold and trying to get the word out on Shows like this. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Because this, I don't know that we've got a good chance of convincing Wizards of the Coast not to do it, but our best chance is to ring the bell and organize people right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, There are coalitions of people on TikTok that uh, are upset about this and are ready to, to point and scream and help if a coalition of publishers gets in trouble and needs to fundraise and activate people uh, and and fight a lawsuit of some kind. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And to me right now, that is actually more important than me trying to be first to market with any 
D20 or fantasy RPG engine. Not to mention that I already have projects that I promised to do before this that aren't done that ethically have to be my priority. Now, speaking of which, I want to give a huge shout out to Ginny D, who is a incredibly popular uh, gamer personality on YouTube, Twitter, and a lot of yep. social media, who has come out against the 1.1. Uh, Good for she, Ginny. She, she was very she was very public on that a couple of days ago with a post on on social media. So I'm very happy that people like her who have an, and who who have we, we're we are. There are several people right here who are major industry insiders whose voice does not go as far as Jenny Dean's. There's one person here who's a major industry insider. The rest of us are all sitting outside the window going, I, I, was, not I, don't, bread, know far, I don't know how far how far Banff goes sometimes. I don't know how far your 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 stuff goes, Bear. So well, I, I wasn't I wasn't gonna leave you out in my, in my statement. I, and, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Thank you. And Jacob has fans outside he the does. game industry, people that, no, that like his art that have, have looked at uh, – he does illustrations for children's books sometimes and novels. And um, can Mike, can you go back to the person asking how does Wizards of the Coast walk this back? You put that comment up a little bit ago. Oh, there you go. How does Wizards of the Coast walk this back, though? They nuked whatever trust the community has in them. So uh, there is the – there are three possibilities, and in increasing order of ability to regain trust, step one is to just not try it. The, the draft never actually goes live, and when they do something that they call OGL 1.1, they, for example, say this only applies uh, to the next SRD that has not been released yet. Yeah. That will gain back a lot of trust, but some people, and I've got a thousand OGL products right now. I would probably continue to work on them because uh, that stuff's for sale right now if it looked like I could. Step two would be to actively state, hey, we had a number of interior documents. This was something we tested. We have decided it was a mistake and we can't do it. And we are stating as a corporation that we don't have that power. That still would not prevent them for sure from trying it again, but it would make it in court really embarrassing for Wizards of the Coast to try and say, yes, we publicly stated we couldn't, but now we're going to anyway, and that would gain more trust. The third would be to say, hey, we're releasing OGL 1.0b. We've included the word irrevocable and specified that this is authorized and it cannot be deauthorized by any other corporation, and you can release anything from OGL 1.0a and or 1.0b with this new language. That's kind of the equivalent of them coming on Instagram and just saying, "We were just fucking with you." Sorry. Yeah, well, I know exactly. They've listened, the bird, the bridges burned. I'm sorry. They're going. I don't. There I, are, I'm, there sorry, are ahead, so man. many publishers using the OGL that if they created a tighter OGL, especially if, for example, they had uh, people like Ryan Dancy and Monty Cook and the legal firm that built the original one say, "Yeah, we've looked at this. This is in fact stronger," and put that out. I whether people should trust them or not. They would earn back a lot of trust. Yeah, but Frog God and Necromancer have said they're not signing it. Yeah, they announced that today. It's worth noting, the OGL 1.1 says you don't have to sign it. If you do certain things, it automatically affects you. So they know people aren't going to sign it. That's why they wrote it, so you don't have to sign it. Hmm. Um, I want to say the one thing that uh, this is what I try. So my channel, for those of you who don't know, is about trying to be positive and it's about trying to break the tribalism that exists within our community, the addition wars, this, that, and everything, and just have us be more supportive because we are a tribe of our own. We don't need to subdivide within it. We can actually support each other and disagree politely like adults. And I'm always trying to find at least some positive in this stuff. And for me, the one positive I can take out of this is that by this time next year, if all of this plays out the way we're seeing it in the doom and gloom of it all, yes, unfortunately, a lot of small publishers are going to vanish, but this may cause a golden age of diversity of games and systems and products for us to enjoy and support other than throwing money at a billion dollar corporation and give us something at least to look forward to. Cause I miss the eighties. I miss the nineties when every game had its own system. Every game was its own thing. And you went and you tried them and you played them and you found the ones you loved. And yeah, a lot fall by the wayside, but that creativity I feel, and this is a personal assessment has been 
diminished ever since the D20 era. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. So if I have to, if I have to eat this shit pie, at least I'm looking forward to the the dessert that will come down the road in some way or another. I have a very long comment from OSR Genius, James Michael Spahn. So gonna share it and um um who wants to read this i can read this it seems to me go ahead it seems to me like hasbro is trying to transition from a toy company to a media company they own dnd transformers gi joe my little pony power rangers magic gathering to name a few the return on investment in rpg books is minimal compared to licensing the ip for merch like shirts funko pops and legos they leverage the streaming market to open D&D community to streamers as part of that community, and they are. But Hasbro wants money from people who don't buy books. But it's a good point. But, there was a, he, he, he was in mid-sentence. <laughs> uh, that was um, that was James. We got some more thoughts that that you you, you hit the limit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hasbro quite by accident, became a game company that happens to make some toys. Uh, that happened because Wizards of the Coast is responsible for more of their profit than any other division, or at least in some years, all their other divisions combined. Yep. I think that this is less about trying to become an IP company, which they'll do, they'll license all that stuff, but right now, those games and the accessories for those games are the majority of their profit. And uh, there was a, a hostile attempt to force them to spin off Wizards of the Coast, yeah. uh, either last year or the year before, based on the idea that Wizards of the Coast would make more money if it was not hampered by Hasbro. Um, and then... Bank of America, I believe, issued a report downgrading the value of Hasbro stock because of their Magic the Gathering business plan. So Hasbro is the dog that has begun to be wagged by Wizards of the Coast's tail. So if the majority of your profit is coming from games, then if you can squeeze 10 more percent money out of your games, that becomes 10% more or 7 or 8 or whatever profit which allows the entire company to continue to survive. When they say that they feel that Wizards, that, that D&D is under monetized, and they've made that statement, there are ways in which that's true that need not be about gouging the end user or screwing over creatives. For example, there are not currently D&D action figures. If they made D&D, and, and action figures are so much cheaper than miniatures. They were announced uh, today on Hasbro's site. Okay, well, so there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm behind. But if they were to release, for example, a Red Dragon, that was the right size for gamers to use, but was also a Red Dragon action figure, they, they've got the movie coming. That movie... Yeah. <clears throat> opens up the opportunity for mass market toys that we gamers can benefit from. I would love to spend $19.95 on a Colossal Red Dragon instead of $99.95, even if the head happens to have a point of articulation that can do this. And I have the Colossal Red Dragon from, from the year 2000. Uh, I would love to have Beholder action figures and Owlbear action figures and Gelatinous Cube action figures that just happen to be scaled as monsters for a D&D game or close enough. Um, I have no problem with D&D lunchboxes and D&D uh, Funko Pops and all the other D&D things. Part of what they're doing with that movie is trying to create a recognizable IP because most people that have heard of D&D don't know Elminster. Elminster is not well enough known for them to make an Elminster doll and mass market it. Yeah. But they're about to have a major motion picture, which hopefully won't suck. Uh, the the trailer is so far the best D&D monster to date, or D&D movie to date. Um, doesn't mean the full movie will be, but, but the trailer is. Uh, so creating a toy line for that can benefit us. Um, but uh, there are there are things like virtual tabletops that very clearly they want to shut down. They don't want, they're going to have their own virtual tabletop and they don't want to compete with other people's. Uh, there are things like character builders, so they're character builders that they want to be able to charge you 
five or 10 or 15 bucks a month ongoing as a subscription for access to an electronic rule set. So they don't want any electronic rule sets and character builders and VTTs that can compete with them so they can get that subscription money coming in. Um, that's why they bought D&D Beyond, which they did not originally own. Uh, and, and that it had a, as I understand it, it had a license that would last until the next edition of D&D came out. And they tried to buy it, couldn't, announced that they were going to make a new edition of D&D, and then they were able to buy it. The you know, I, um, I just found the Hugh Grant D&D action figure. I'm not going to share it because that's a little cheesy <laughs> even for me, but uh, it is out there in the world. Just so you know. I, I think what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that I'd really like, if it's possible at some point in time, <laughs> to actually just, you know, buy it and see, you know, it would be fun for the kids. Uh, that's that's my awful Hugh Grant for you guys tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Robert Cathy says, the problem I see is the new leadership come from a background of video games and monetizing those out the wazoo. They think they can do this in a D&D. Maybe they can. They can rope in the younger generation who plays Fortnite and buy skins left and right. Maybe. Look, it's it's all in tested waters, and it's going to be. This is a great experiment for them, right? To see what they can do with it. They're not off on a good start. They've kind of stepped in it first step out of the gate, but they might be flexible enough and nimble enough to recover and bounce out of it. Who knows? You know, I would make uh, so much money making audiobooks. Walt, you've been trying to convince me to do this for years. Maybe we'll talk. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we have just passed the hour mark. And um, I've got to go put my oil volet on my face because this doesn't happen by accident, folks. This takes a lot of work. And mm. um, kudos for using by accident and not on accident. You've just gone up in my estimation, Mr. Lafferty. Well, and Mike, everyone knows you're the pretty one, so we, we respect <laughs> I'm the pretty one. I'm just the one who has more hair on this particular yes. show. Well, now I have <laughs> and uh. Walt says, Jacob too, Victor Alpha forever, which is what we call an inside joke here in the BAM podcast. <laughs> we do have Honey Heist, and that is completely... Honey Heist is a great game. That's some of the most fun I've had role-playing in the last few years. So, anyway, um, thanks everybody for coming out. Uh, Owen, I'll give you the last word before we wrap things up. Uh if you are really, truly motivated to try and stop this change before it happens, uh, D&D's customer, or Watsi's customer service number is not hard to find. Call them during business hours. Very politely inform the person on the other end and do not be rude to them. It's not their fault. Uh, that you do not want this change to happen, that you are offended by it, and that it will cause you to stop buying Wizards of the Coast products of any kind. You can also write them a letter. Their customer service email is not hard to find either. Those are the steps to take, but for goodness sakes, don't scream at anybody. Uh, I've done customer service over the phone. None of those people are making the decision, and yelling at them makes it less likely that they will pass your words up the line. So being upset with them is counterproductive. Politely, quietly, and possibly quickly, because they frequently have time metrics to hit. Just say, hey, I don't want to take a whole lot of your time. I just want to tell you this. Please pass that on. Here's my name and email if you want to respond. Thank you, and on you go. And the wizard customer service number, uh, we found just by Googling that phrase, 1-800-324-6496. Feel free to express yourself. So, and with that, song. <laughs> Andrew, any closing thoughts? Um, I am really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Uh, there's certain people who were telling us all a week ago that this was a nothing burger that have yet to make their new YouTube videos eating a little crow pie, and I can't wait to see those happen. Mm. All right. Jacob, you've been quiet. Closing thoughts, sir? Uh, my closing thoughts may be a little long. Uh, all uh, right. If, if, you, if this follows through and you want to show your displeasure. There are numerous things that can be done. Yes, calling calling them, letting them know directly is an excellent way. Be polite, like Owen said. Um, don't buy D&D products. Just don't. The best way to fight any, any fight is to kick a corporation where it hurts them the most, and that is their wallet. Don't buy saying... any D&D books. Don't buy any D&D official dice miniatures the action figures don't buy anything that. on gm's guild don't buy anything on dm's guild 
don't but do not sign up for Dungeon D and D Beyond. And if you have a D and D Beyond account, because and you may because they are free, you should check on that. If you do, submit a ticket to delete your account. That'll let them know that you're displeased with them, that you do not want their customer, that you do not want to be their customer anymore. And the more people who do that, the more it'll let them know that we're displeased with their with their actions. And Words uh, of wisdom, man. Christopher Cruz is asking that means he shouldn't buy tickets to the D and D movie. And um... so, for me, it depends very much on whether they actually make this move or not. Um, if they do, then I will not be taking any action that would cause Wizards of the Coast to get uh, royalty from the movie. But I will be waiting until they actually put that into the wild. And then there will probably be a call for collective action. And that is the call I would follow. I have heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but someone once told me there's ways you can see movies on the internet without paying for it. I, I, it's a, I heard so, it online. We at the Band it, Podcast do not condone nor encourage piracy. We don't. Yeah. There, there is nothing that makes me think that my life will be lessened if this is a movie I just don't see uh, until it's on broadcast uh, or available for 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 free use because a friend bought a DVD. Right there, there are legal, legit ways to watch it without paying money for it, or whatever streaming service it ends up on that you're already subscribed to. This is true. All right. Well, hey, five minutes after I meant to wrap things up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Banff Podcast. Oh, hey, buy us coffee. Kofi.com, Banff Pod, because we need coffee because it's late at night. So take care, everybody. See you later. Bye, folks. Thank you, everyone.